You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. Firstly, a big apology for not bringing you the October TBR wrap-up as promised, uh, which probably should have happened at the beginning of November. Um, However, Time has just well and truly got away from me and suddenly it's the end of November and I still never got into the pod loft and recorded that episode. So I figured I will combine November and October, mainly because I didn't read much in November. So I figured I will talk to you about both of those months all in the one go. This will be the last wrap up of the month for the year of 2023, mainly because I will be in another country. However, if you do want to follow along and see what I do end up reading, make sure you follow me on Instagram at bookstorian underscore. Okay, let's jump into the last wrap up for 2023. And now it's time for this month's reading wrap up. October started with an audiobook for me. It was End Credits by Patty Lynn. It feels like it's been a while since I've actually read and finished an audiobook. I've actually picked up a few throughout the year and I've never finished them. I actually started reading end credits in the first place is because I read Patty Lynn's excerpt in Time magazine. This was recommended one week by Zara on the Shameless podcast and I just knew instantly that this is a book that I would enjoy listening to. I love the behind the scenes take when it whether or not it's theater or movies or television there's something behind the screen when our writers peel back that screen or that curtain and you actually get to hear about what happens and it's not necessarily something that's explicitly related to the actors but it's about the inner workings of the production and I really appreciate sinking in and hearing about this world. So uh, in case you don't know what end credits is about here's my little summary for you. Patty Lynn has worked as a writer on some of Hollywood's biggest shows including Friends, Breaking Bad, Desperate Housewives and Freaks and Geeks, which actually, side note, a really great show if you haven't watched it, make sure you watch it. But at 38 years old, she decided to walk away from the fast-paced, all-consuming career and in her memoir, she tells us exactly how she came to that decision. Patty Lynn goes through and reveals key moments of her career and she does this in a chronological order, which is something that I really appreciate about the novel. Many of these events as well are connected by the common problems that seem to face many television shows. So things such as underrepresentation of coloured writers, a sickening culture with little work-life balance and the expectations and pressure that people feel the need to continue and remain in these careers due to the longevity of it. So that feeling of you've been here for X amount of years, so you should continue to be here. I also really appreciated the insight, the wit and the honesty in which Patty actually wrote her story, especially given the backdrop of the writer's strike, which was still happening at the time of me reading the novel. And finally, this read was really enhanced by the fact that Patty actually narrated it I really don't think anything beats a author actually reading out their work. I think maybe more so in nonfiction and they're the kind of books that I do tend to lean towards as audio. 
Uh, something to note, though, about this book for me is that although I did appreciate that this was a therapeutic exercise for Patty Lynn, there was certainly a lot of bitterness expressed in the novel, and it perhaps maybe prevented me from enjoying the novel or enjoying the read per se. And maybe it is a little bit wrong to score and maybe to critique memoirs. Nonetheless, this book was a 3.5 star for me. My second read in October was Search History by Amy Taylor. I actually found this one on the shelves at my local library and the cover is incredibly striking and it's actually something that had been on my TBR for a little while so I thought what was the harm in buying it but within a few chapters I regretted not buying my own copy. I really loved this book and it has continued to play on my mind for the last two months as I've picked up and put down other books. Here is what it's about. Hoping to reinvent herself after a breakup, Anna moves to Melbourne, leaving behind her ex, her friends and her mother. Being on her own isn't as easy as she hoped and after meeting Evan, a charming, kind and financially responsible guy, Anna finally starts to feel more connected to her new home. As much as she tries to focus on the Evan in front of her rather than the persona and past he has created online, including his past relationship with Emily, she ultimately cannot resist the urge and so uses her imagination to fill the gaps presented to her. But will her obsession with Emily, his dead girlfriend, cross the line? If I had to summarise this read in one word, it would have to be addictive. From the very first sentence, I was absolutely hooked and I would finish one chapter only to kind of glance at the beginning of the next one and just have to keep reading on. This character also felt highly relatable to me. When I say this character, I mean Anna. And in particular, her acknowledgement of the performative nature of social media, yet the way our mind can still form wild conclusions based on what we view and our ability to catastrophize. So we can see something and immediately jump to a wild conclusion about what it means when indeed we don't have the full story or the full context of someone else's life. There was a really great exploration of how the internet has changed for our generation. So as someone who would sit on MSN waiting for someone to pop up and uh, and you would only really be able to converse and talk to them that way to then seeing people create curated MySpace accounts and Facebook's accounts and Instagrams and TikToks and how you really have a wealth of information about anyone that you've got access to at your fingertips and how you can see years and years and years and years into the past. It definitely made me think about the fact that um, some social media platforms were very short-lived. So places like MySpace, whilst you might have created something and you're on there for a year or two, something like Facebook, which um, I think even my, like, I don't know how long have I been on Facebook for, like definitely longer than 10 years, like 10, 15 years and how 10, 15 years of my life is really available to anyone who is my friend on Facebook and how those kind of interactions can actually enable us to mentally alter the way we meet and judge people because we're seeing their online persona, but the difference between an online persona and an in-life persona. And I also, without giving away any spoilers, I loved the ending. I really enjoyed the ending. Um, having said that, if you have read this book and want to talk about it, please let me know. No one else I know has actually read it. So I would really love to debrief and talk about it. 
Here are some things that kind of took it down a notch. So I did give it four stars overall, but this is probably where it dropped just a little bit for me. And for me, it was actually lacking a better immersion in Anna and Evan's relationship. So he was made, made to be this great guy. And I get that because it is Anna's perspective. However, there wasn't really many scenes that showed this to the reader. So we were just relying on Anna and her thoughts and feelings about Evan. But we kind of missed those scenes and those moments between her and Evan that actually showed he was this amazing guy. And what she was doing uh, was definitely self-destructive or destructive to their relationship nonetheless. So although I understand that that could have very well been intentional by the author, just a few more scenes that could have helped me to better understand Anna's motivations and feelings would have been really good. If you like Yellow Face um, by Rebecca F. Kwong, or if you are a fan of Sally Hepworth, um, well, Sally Hepworth's works, I would also uh, really recommend that. So that was Search History by Amy Taylor. My third book for October was Neon Gods by Katie Robert. I am not going to dwell on this for long at all. The only reason why I persisted with this book is because it was a book club read and I thought it would be a good laugh to talk about it and I was right. Essentially what it is about is after being promised to the powerful and problematic Zeus by her mother, Persephone flees through the dark city across the river Styx and into the arms of Hades. So although I found this read incredibly easy to read in terms of the writing style like I actually didn't mind the writing style and it had some very similar tropes and plot points to A Court of Roses and Thorns sorry A Court of Thorns and Roses I say it wrong all the time and it kind of had a very like Rysan, Feyre, Night Court vibe it overall wasn't for me there is quite a few reasons why it wasn't for me and I do recommend going to my bookstagram if you're a little bit more interested in what I had to say but they're just it was meant to be a reimagining of a Greek myth and it felt like other than the character names, that was kind of it. There wasn't uh, much thought in my, in my opinion of how it actually connected to Greek myth. So that was a bit of a downfall. There's definitely some icky, uh, clunky language and repetitive narration as well as the whole idea of me thinking it was a fantasy book and it was not. Thankfully, I don't really like fantasy, um, but yeah, it was kind of like, is it fantasy? Is it not? Uh, yeah, ultimately, was meant to be our smart read. Uh, didn't really enjoy it very much at all. Uh, I did give it two stars because what I did enjoy about it was the conversation I had with my book club. Book number four for me was Finding My Bella Vita by Pia Miranda. If you are a fan of Looking for Ella Brandy or perhaps, like me, you also had to study this book or the film uh, in high school, you might enjoy reading about Pia's life. I was instantly interested in this memoir uh, when I came across it on Hachette's publicity magazine and I did ask for a copy. I also purchased a copy through Libro FM because I quite often like to listen to memoirs rather than read and I kind of change between the audio and the physical, which big tick because Pia does narrate this um, and I also enjoyed having the physical copy, so I could also see the pictures throughout. This is what her memoir is about. Best known for her role as Josie in Looking for Ella Brandy, Pia Miranda reflects back on how playing Josie was only a small but significant part of who she is today. Told in chronological order, even dating back to her grandparents' lives in pre-war Sicily, Pia honestly shares stories from her childhood to her adult years. 
This room is very easy to be swept away in and taken through the key moments of Pia's life. Key moments for me would definitely be going through and hearing about her experience as a child and adolescent at various dance studios, something that was fairly relevant to me, as well as her experiencing of auditioning and playing the role of Josie. And those two moments essentially are the kinds of things that I wanted to read about. I felt like a lot of the book was gearing towards her experience on Survivor, which was obviously one of the most harrowing experiences of her life. So it does make sense that a large part of her memoirs was dedicated to Survivor and then kind of hinted at what was to come with Survivor. And whilst I'm not a huge fan of Survivor, I can appreciate what Pia went through in the aftermath of being on Survivor and in particular the impact that social media had. And maybe how quickly people forget that there is a human on the other side of whatever they're commenting or writing or sharing or uh, posting that no matter what they think, they're only still only seeing a portion of the show. There's only so many moments of Survivor that they can actually fit into that time and that segment and how simple editing can maybe make people victimise or that whole idea of hysteria and one person thinks this and other people jump on uh, with those comments and that hate. One thing that has definitely stayed with me about this book, maybe it's because I've recently become a parent and witnessing the joy of my parents becoming grandparents, but Pia really reiterates how precious our time is with our grandparents. When you think about all the people in our family, our grandparents are often the people who we have the least amount of time with in terms of our lifespan and our years. So that was really precious to read that as well. And I thought the epilogue was a really beautiful touch. Um, as I said, the downfall for me was the survivor experience and that taking a really big front seat. I would have liked a little bit more behind the scenes of some of the other projects that she's worked on. I feel like it really only skimmed the surface of who she is as a person and perhaps a little bit more about what she's doing now or what she hopes to do in the future would have been nice as well. But overall, if you do enjoy memoirs that explore family, culture, identity, I think you would really enjoy this one. I gave it three and a half stars. My final book for October was Darling Girls by Sally Hepworth. I was just in the mood to pick up something that was a page turner and Sally Hepworth's latest read was the closest one to me and I think I really enjoy her books as a bit of a palate cleanser, especially if I'm in the mood for something quick. This is what it's about. Sisters Jessica, Nora and Alicia are raised on an idyllic farming estate by the seemingly lovely Miss Fairchild after being removed from their parents at a young age. Their childhood wasn't as lucky as everyone thinks, and when a body is discovered under the home they grew up in, it forces them to relive their time at Wild Meadows Farm. This book is a little bit tricky to review for a few reasons, and if you've read it, you might understand why. And mainly, it's the fact that it deals with some pretty heavy content in relation to foster homes, child sexual abuse and neglect. So if any of those are topics that are particularly triggering to you, I would proceed with this book with caution. With that being said, this read was the usual fast pace that I'd expect in a Sally Hepworth read. It was all consuming. It was filled with cliffhangers that sh and it shifted between character perspectives. Again, all of those things are really big ticks for me with any kind of fiction. It also explored her signature family dynamic, 
with a more sinister underlying, which I think uh, Sally Hepworth is very masterful at. And even though there were some uncomfortable moments, it definitely was thrilling to read. And it certainly made me stop and think about a few different things in my life, like how often I am actually reading a book that's a thriller book that has um, some kind of character that was impacted by the foster system and how quite often those are the characters that are quite villainous as well. But if you do enjoy a family drama and Hepworth's other books, I highly recommend this read. So that brings October to a close. Now I have two final books to share with you that I read in November. Uh, The first one is None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. It's the first Lisa Jewell book that I have read, which is kind of strange considering she has like 20 plus thriller style books. But anyway, nonetheless, I am a fan of the Shameless Book Club and I was really intrigued to read this one after hearing the host gush about the fast pace and devourability of the novel. And whilst I can appreciate the mystery of the novel and the way in which it was told, I'm not really sure it quite reached the hype I was hoping for. Here's what it's about. After meeting at the pub one night, birthday twins Alex and Josie become entangled in each other's lives when Alex agrees to interview Josie for her brand new podcast. What Alex doesn't bank on is how easily Josie slides into her home and seeps into her life. So obviously as someone who has a podcast and listens to lots of podcasts, uh, I was instantly intrigued about the podcast element of the book. However, there are many other things at play as well. So other things that I did enjoy that are usual box tickers are dual narrators and the shifting formats. So between narration and there's also a Netflix documentary littered within. I also liked how the title played into me reading it and considering what is actually true that I'm reading. In particular, it really made me question the reliability of the characters. The first 75% was very devourable and I found myself not wanting to put the book down. However, I felt like the plot really slowed at the end of the novel and particularly dragged and I certainly felt weighed down by some of the heavier topics explored. I usually like to leave a read pretty quickly when there are some uncomfortable themes in the book but the biggest letdown for me was that I felt like the reader was really left to make up their own interpretation of the truth. So sometimes I really love this idea of a novel where it's a little bit more open-ended and you really don't actually know the ending that well. But in this case, I really loathed it and I felt like it was such a large part of the tension for me. It was very frustrating at the end when it wasn't quite released. Overall, I'm glad that I read it. The format of it was kind of cool. It was definitely different to other books that I have read, but I would warn you to check out some of the uh, trigger warnings that do exist for this novel as well because it can be quite confronting. Overall I gave None of This Is True by Lisa Jewell three stars. And my final book that I read in November is Everyone on This Train is a Suspect by Benjamin Stevenson. This was our final book club read of the year. We read Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone last year for book club so it was cool to kind of end our 2023 book club the same way we ended 2022 book club. If you haven't heard of uh, Everyone on This Train is a Suspect, here's what it's about. When Ernest Cunningham is invited to speak at the Australian Mystery Writers Festival, despite being riddled with imposter syndrome, he takes the chance and boards with his girlfriend Juliet in tow. 
The once-in-a-lifetime scenic journey down the continent of Australia is not the break he needs, though, and when one of the guests aboard the Garn is killed, Ern cannot help but try and solve it. So things that I enjoyed about this book was certainly the familiarity of the character of Ernest. I quite like his narration style, how he breaks the fourth wall, and you forget it isn't actually a memoir. So it's written in the first person, and you think it is the author's actual words. And um, yeah, you have to keep remembering, no, no, this is Benjamin Stevenson, this is fiction, not Ernest Cunningham. So I think that's a really clever way for an author to position a reader. What did make this particularly unique for me was the way in which the character referred to the previous novel and the events after the publication of the first book. So the first book is written as if it is a tell-all memoir about um, everyone in his family's killed someone. So then you're kind of seeing the ramifications of that being published and how Ernest actually deals with that. So I quite liked that. It was a really clever way of kind of weaving back and reminding you of some events of what happened. Having said that, if you haven't read the first one, uh, we actually discussed this at book club, it doesn't really spoil the first book too much for you. So just a thought, um, if this is something that you're interested in. I also should mention here too, I enjoyed the setting of the Gan, and again, a very iconic Australian destination or vacation, once in a lifetime kind of experience. So it was cool to be a part of that and read a book set on this Australian train journey and what that involves. There were some especially really funny scenes um, and talking about it at book club on the weekend, I was laughing, explaining them. And I think because it makes fun of like a traditional mystery novel, whilst also adhering to the conventions of a traditional mystery novel, I thought that was quite funny. And the plot was certainly very twisty. I think my biggest issue with this read, however, was the fact that there was just so many characters. It was very exhausting to keep up with and would have been great to have a character list. So there was a little map um, and also a little pamphlet at the beginning of the book, but a character list would have been really helpful to refer back to. I also became just really exhausted reading this book. I felt like there was lots of finer details and my brain just wasn't ticking in sync with it. I was trying to go along with the journey of it, but also found that journey a little bit boring sometimes. And perhaps it was due to that information overload where I felt like I wasn't absorbing anything at some points. I think too that this might come down to the fact that I prefer a thriller over a mystery. So whilst I can appreciate mystery novels and the genre of them, the fact that you get so bogged down in the details and you kind of have to wait till the very end for everything to be revealed, it can just be a little bit tricky and a bit tough. Overall, I did really like uh, talking about this book and I did enjoy most of this book and um, a, a few of those little key moments and scenes definitely made it worth it. So I did give it a 3.5 star. However, it is really worth noting that my book club gave it an overall star rating of 4.11. So uh, it definitely rated quite high at book club. So that is October and November, um, all the books that I read across those two months. Next month's TBR.
So for the month of December, uh, the book that I really want to read is Good Material by Dolly Alderton. I have read Ghosts, Everything I Know About Love and Dear Dolly, so I'm excited to get into her fourth book. This is her second fiction book. Uh, this is what it is about. Every relationship has one beginning. This one has two endings. Andy loves Jen. Jen loved Andy. And now he can't work wh out why she stopped. Now he is one, without a home. Two, waiting for his stand-up career to take off. Three, wondering why everyone else around him seems to have grown up while he wasn't looking. Set adrift on the sea of heartbreak at a time when everything he thought he knew about women and flat sharing and his friendships has transformed beyond recognition. Andy clings to the idea of solving the puzzle of their broken relationship because if he can find the answer to that, then maybe Jen can find her way back to him. Andy still has a lot to learn, not least his ex-girlfriend's side of the story. I can confirm this book already is good. I'm a few chapters in and really enjoying it. My highlighter is my in my hand, my pencil's in my hand, and I'm just sinking back into Dolly Alderton's writing. It's like, it's so comforting and lovely all at the one time. I really love her work and I'm very much so looking forward to getting back into that once I finish recording the podcast. Baby Bookstorians Books. <laughs> Baby Bookstorian has really been enjoying the Nosy Crow push-pull slide books, in particular their busy theme. So there can be books like Busy Builders, Busy Bookshop, Busy Beach, uh, Busy Friends, Busy Garden, Busy Christmas, and he really loves how they're kind of animated in a way. So they're not pop-up books, they're books that have little tags that you push or pull or slide and um, kind of like play peekaboo essentially with him. So he really loves them. He is getting a stack of them for Christmas and he already has a stack of them. I also go and borrow them frequently from the library as well. However, they kind of get a little bit ratty, um, the library copy. So he is, I am finding an excuse to buy him more and more all the time. Uh, however, if you do have a little one to buy for for Christmas, highly recommend the Nosy Crow busy series. And finally, before I wrap up the episode today, I just wanted to let you know I'm a little bit in doubt as to what the podcast is going to look like in 2024. I'm finding it really hard to find time to read, let alone sit down and record the podcast. So it's a little bit up in the air as to what next year will look like. In the meantime, however, there is a massive back catalogue of 60 episodes now sitting on this very platform you are listening to the show on. And you can always stay up to date with what I'm reading on my Bookstagram account at bookstorian underscore. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bookstorian podcast. If you've enjoyed it, show your support by following, subscribing and rating the show wherever you listen, as well as sharing the podcast on social media. If you want to go the extra mile, you can shout me a coffee via Kofi. It's super easy to navigate and you don't need an account to donate. You can find the link in the show notes along with a full list of all the books and other media mentioned in this episode. Finally, make sure you head over to Instagram and follow my latest guest as well as my bookstagram at bookstorian underscore and podcast account at the bookstorian podcast. <laughs>